Today's episode of Seven the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Welcome to episode 55 of the 7 Edge Podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4 So You can go on iTunes and subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review because we still have more five-star reviews than Peter King. Say what's up to the people, Chuck. What's up? We're here to uh, hopefully rectify what was an absolutely atrocious gambling week last week. But uh, we feel more the, conf- the worst. <laughs> yeah, easily the worst we've had so far. Yeah, like we, we like basically everything that we said was wrong. Just just start fading us. Like, honestly, like we're, we're not going to take it personal. Just do do the opposite of what we say and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's funny because uh, on Labor Tart show last week, they had Richard Lewis on as their celebrity prognosticator. And he was like, yeah, just go the opposite of whatever I pick. And like he picked the Falcons to cover. And uh, what was the other big spread that that didn't get covered either? San Francisco, Washington was another right. one. Yeah, and San Francisco, Washington was the other one. So. Then just yeah, treat us like Richard Lewis. Crazy shit. There was a bunch of crazy shit last week. Yeah, just fade us. Honestly, just just fade us for the rest of the season. You guys will do fine. Yeah, but uh, right now we're looking good with our first pick that we uh, punched in before the game started. We both took the Chiefs minus three. Uh, yes, sir. Against the Raiders. And right now, as we're recording this, they're up uh, 30 to 24 with two minutes and 30 seconds left. And they just punted the ball to the Raiders who have the ball on their own 15-yard line. Derek Carr is not equipped to handle this, so I, I feel pretty safe about that bet. Yeah, like Kansas City, honestly, to me, is probably the only team that I feel really, like at this point in the year, right after last week, is the only team that I'm like actually feel good about taking on something like a 10-point spread. So like if this game were, were – uh, this game is in Oakland, right? Yeah, it's yeah. in Oakland. Um, I was just triple checking, man. I could barely keep a grasp on what is happening in the NFL season at this point. It's just complete chaos. If this game were in Oakland, it would have been a nine-point line. Or if it were in Kansas City, it would have been a nine-point line. And I feel good about that. Um, I, I don't think there's much to say outside of that. I mean, Oakland was a really lucky team last year. We came out and said that. They had an amazing record in close games. That is just completely unsustainable. And uh, Derek Carr just doesn't look right. I compared... Uh, I compare Derek Carr to Alex Smith in terms of how their offense actually produces, not a reflection of their talent coming into this year. And Raiders fans were pissed, and uh, they they got to be just feeling sick. I mean, they're about to go two and five. Yeah, you have to go are. ten and six to get into the playoffs. Like they're gonna have they for for them to get into the playoffs, they're gonna have to go on an eight and one run in nine in you know the last ten weeks of the year, and that's just not gonna happen. And then Marshawn Lynch got got kicked out of the game. Um, he's probably gonna get fined. Like honestly, if you're Marshawn Lynch and you just came out of retirement, like you got to think about going back, right? Like this team's not making it to the playoffs. You're just going to ruin your body. Like you're already what is it, 32 or whatever? Like there's no point, man. Yeah, it, it it's over for the Raiders season. Uh, I was just looking at that uh, 5:38 article earlier today. I mean, even at yeah. two and four, their their season's over because two and four teams have a yeah. nine, a nine percent chance of making the playoffs and. Two and five teams have a four percent chance of making the playoffs. So I mean, this is over, and uh, it'd be interesting to see if Marshawn just calls it quits after tonight. But uh, yeah, Raiders move, in the graveyard. Yeah, but let's move on to the Sunday picks. Uh, first game up, we have the New York Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins are a three and a half point favorite, and we both have the Jets. 
Uh, we do. Uh, I actually just wrote about the Miami Dolphins, ironically, for Bleacher Report. Um, go check that out. I wrote about their defensive line. Their defensive line is getting in the backfield at the second highest rate of any team in the NFL other than the uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, Cleveland is number one, and New England is last in that statistic, which you can find on Setting the Edge. You can look it up in uh, the update that we have, which is just basically plus minuses for stats, um, like individual stats, tackles for lost sacks, things of that nature. But, uh, like, basically every other team other than the Browns have a winning record, like, in the top 10 in that stat. And then the Browns, like, just somehow figure out how to lose games, even though the fact the fact that they're getting defensive penetration, which is just, frankly, amazing. And then the Patriots are doing the opposite, where they don't get any tackles in the backfield and they're still able to win games. Uh, Miami's 3-2, and two, but they're, like, super weird 3-2. and two. They've had to go on – they've played in five cities in five, er, in five weeks. Um, they've had to fire their offensive line coach. Uh, Jake, Jake uh, Cutler, not Jake Locker. They might, they might as well start Jake Locker. I don't know what he's doing. Um, they, they signed Jake Locker or Jake Cutler. I'm gonna do that 50 times uh, in August. So he's only been with the team for like two months. Um, but he's playing horrible at this point. Um, they're winning games, but it's kind of not sustainable. I mean, Atlanta. I think Atlanta was up 17 points on Sunday and ended up blowing that lead. So it's not like Miami was really ever in control of that game until the like final minutes of it. Um, honestly, I just don't think the Jets are as bad as people think. Like right now, Josh McCown, Jay Cutler, who who would you rather have as your quarterback? Because I think it's super easy to, for me to say Jake, uh, Josh McCown right now. Yep, I I mean, man, that, and even that that Dolphins Falcons game was weird because I mean, surprise, the Falcons blew another second half lead, but uh, they were up seventeen to nothing at halftime, and then like even after the game, Devondre Campbell came out and said that they after like during the half they started looking. Uh, forward to the Patriots game, which we'll talk about later. So I don't really know what to do with this Dolphins team. Uh, I don't. They're not. I don't think they're very good, and I think the Jets are still kind of underrated right now. They went toe to toe with the Patriots last week, so uh, we're gonna ride on this Jets plus three point five train. Yeah, uh, um, plug that one in. Yeah. Next game, uh, the Tennessee Titans are on the road against the Cleveland Browns. The Titans are. A five and a half point favorite, and there's no reason to think they they shouldn't cover this spread. The Browns are horrible. Uh, I mean, is there any other analysis need besides that? The Browns just suck. Um, we can make fun of. Uh, let's make fun of Hugh Jackson just for a second. I mean, I know it's becoming like a a weekly, like he's a weekly punching bag at this point. But he was like Deshaun Kaiser is like he's completely changed because he got sent to the bench, and then Kevin Hogan, who was their number one quarterback last week. Um, just got thrown back to quarterback three. Like somehow Cody Kessler jumped jumped him and stuff. Like I, I have like it's very clear that there is no structure in Cleveland right now, and that is not a good sight when you're on a what is it, oh like one and twenty five. I think that's where we're at now. One and twenty five run. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's so, just not good. It, Moving yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the next game, the Arizona Cardinals are taking on the Los Angeles Rams in London, which is weird because uh, the game starts at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and usually those games start at like 9.30. But uh, the Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Cardinals, and we are on the Rams. Just I don't, I, The Cardinals, even though they, they kind of beat down the Bucks last week, I, they just still don't feel like a good team. I know Adrian Peterson had a big game, but – just based on a sample size of the last two seasons of Adrian Peterson, Peterson, or even really three seasons, it does that just doesn't really feel as sustainable. So, uh, I'm gonna roll with the Rams on that one. Yeah, and Arizona, Arizona's won three games, but they won three games in a really weird way. Like you got to remember that. I know this last one 
was very decisive against Tampa. Um, but other than that, I mean, their their other two their other two wins were in overtime against the Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers. Who uh, get, guess what their combined records are? I want to see if you can hit this on the head. The combined record between the 49ers and the the Colts. Mm, I have no idea. They are two and ten. So they have three wins. Two of their wins came in overtime against a collective two and ten team teams, right? And then their last their last game was a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in which like Ryan Fitzpatrick almost like threw this team you know back into the lead after after coming in with a huge deficit. So like I'm not I'm not buying into the Cardinals at all, and like all their losses have been by multiple scores too. Like they're a really fraudulent. They're a really fraudulent three and three team. Like this is one of the probably the five worst teams in the NFL, in my opinion. And if you're gonna bank on Adrian Peterson ripping off those type of runs, you know, th- that's Adrian Peterson's best game in three years, yeah, three and a half years, something like that. Like if you're expecting that to be that, you know, that Cardinals team to look like this from this point forward, that that's not good. I'm gonna bet against that. Um, I think the Rams, if nothing else, they're like borderline competent, and a borderline competent team should be more than three and a half point favorites against the Arizona. Cardinals. Yes, sir. Uh, so we're both on that Rams minus 3.5 train. Next game, Ravens at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are a uh, five and a half point favorite at home. I'm just I'm going to tease this down to Baltimore plus 11 and a half. And uh, I'm going to pair that with the 49ers game, which we'll talk to later. But you have the Vikings covering the spread at five and a half points. Yes, sir. Uh, if you look at our numbers for the update, um, the most well-rounded offense in the sport right now is the Minnesota Vikings, which is just honestly just baffling. Um, you know, Kansas City's right neck and neck with them, but the fact that Minnesota's doing this with their third-string quarterback and their backup running back is just kind of amazing. Uh, their offensive line is completely turned over too. I know a lot of people reference, like basically every Vikings broadcast references the fact that they have five new starters at new positions um, compared to last year. Uh, they're not great at every spot, but they do have new faces. They're, they didn't settle, if anything else. Um, what's what's the feeling in Baltimore about this team, honestly? Because I know Michael Lombardi talked about on his podcast, uh, GM Street with the Ringer, shouts to our friends at the Ringer, um, about basically John Harbaugh needs to be honest with himself about Joe Flacco. And I wrote, you know, I wrote uh, when Matthew Stafford signed that long that big contract with Detroit how we shouldn't really compare contracts with the, with the Joe Flacco contract because the Joe Flacco contract is very unique in that he hasn't really lived up to expectations where everyone else has basically at least been a borderline competent quarterback, and he hasn't. And it's just like he's just holding down this team right now. Like there's maybe – I would say Kaiser, Cutler, Flacco. Those are the three worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean just around here, people, they're starting to get tired of Flacco. I mean they, they see that – you know, they, they don't have a lot of stuff at the receivers and the tight end position, but at the same time, if you're going to pay someone that much money, you would hope that they can kind of overcome that a little bit. And he just, he doesn't at all. So, you know, they're still excited about the defense moving forward, but Flacco, the offense, uh, most people in Baltimore are out on it. Um, do you know, let's play a game called Guess, Guess His Dead Cap next year. Uh, what do you think Joe Flacco's dead cap is in 2018? Um, I think it was something like $35 million. Oh, no, it's only 28. Okay. <laughs> it's only it's only $28 million. Uh, guess what it is in 2019? I have no idea. $16 million. Jeez. So that means he's basically locked. Like, 
we know we have known for what three years that Joe Flacco hasn't been a good quarterback, and he is locked in. Like in terms of his contract and job security, he is locked in until basically the twenty twenty off season. Yep. Like this is as bad as the Brock Osweiler contract. Like I I don't know if they're gonna convince the Browns to take on the deal or what, but this is just a horrible spot for him to be in. Yeah, I it's over. But I I'm taking them to cover this uh, spread of eleven point five on the tees, just because I, I I don't see Minnesota blowing this team out. I I just think it's gonna be a little bit closer than like does, does five point five not feel like a lot to you? 5.5 doesn't feel a lot like uh, on a neutral field. You wouldn't think that Minnesota is a three point favorite. You, they don't win by a field goal. I think, yeah, I think yeah, Baltimore's right. horrible. I think I like, so Baltimore loses, Baltimore loses big. Right. So I, I don't know, man. Like it's kind of like a Jacksonville thing where it's like, it's very, so this is what I'll say. Baltimore and Jacksonville this year feel very similar to Denver last year to me and that they're not going to play in very many close games. Like when you have the lead, that defense can suffocate a team. Um, but if you have to pass from behind and Joe Flacco's that dude and you're putting the ball in his hand with the team on his shoulders, it's not going to go well. That You're probably going to lose points that way. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I just feel like Minnesota's probably – how many teams in the NFC are better than Minnesota right now? Because I would say Philadelphia and then I would think. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think Minnesota's better than this Baltimore team. Do you think Baltimore gets in the playoffs? Like, where, where are you on Baltimore? I don't I know. Tell. I mean, the AFC, I got no clue what's going on there. I'm just <laughs> Holy crap. You have, oh, no. Do we do we lose? Yep, Oakland just scored. Oh, no. Do we, okay, what's the score? 30-30. They're about to kick an extra point. How much time is on there? 16 seconds. I believe in Alex Smith MVP season. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this. With the hey, look, they've they've done uh they've covered they've covered more improbable games than this already this season. All right, so next game, uh, Carolina Chicago. Uh, Chicago is a three and a half point home dog. Uh, we're both taking Chicago here. Kind of surprising. I thought you were going to ride with your boy Cam. No, I, I I like Chicago as a home team this year. Dude, they beat Chicago. They beat Pittsburgh. They gave Atlanta a tough game. I, I just think that, you know, Trubisky, he sucks right now, but the rest of that team is, is pretty solid. And, you know, if, if they can get after Cam a little bit, which, you know, they do have a, a massive advantage in the trenches, uh, I, I, I just think that Chicago I, – I, I wouldn't even be surprised if Chicago ended up winning this game. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Trey Turner? I think that's how you say his name. It's spelled yeah. kind of odd. Um, he's he needed the extra rest after Fletcher Cox and uh, Timmy Jernigan just whipped his ass all game, but uh, Akeem Hicks coming right up the pike for you, so that's going to be a pretty bad matchup there. Um, Carolina just there's a very big split. Like I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I watch Carolina games, there's a very significant split between uh, when they're going against teams that can't generate any pass rush and against teams when they do generate pass rush. So like the Patriots game, right? Like the Patriots, the Lions game. Like, Cam didn't get touched all, all day. Like, no doubt he's going to end up throwing some of those deep passes. But then you watch, like, last week against Philadelphia. It is just fucking chaos. Yep. Uh, also, it looks like Jared Cook did not score, and he was down on the one-yard line. So, 16 seconds Atta left, boy. no timeouts. Uh, I don't know how this is going to work with 
an official review, but it, yeah, he's down at the one yard line. I like we're doing play by play for something that is going to be <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be recorded. <laughs> it's going to be useless. I believe in defensive MVP uh, Justin Houston. Dude, he's been right, next game. the entire game. Ja- Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, Indianapolis is a three-point home dog. Yeah, uh, we're both taking Jacksonville. I don't think this is too complicated. We're, I mean, I think we're both on the, the uh, bandwagon that Jacoby Brissett should be starting in 2018, but I, I think he's going to get mugged by Jacksonville's uh, pass defense this week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Indianapolis' offensive line still not fixed, so you're going to be shocked. Um, can, you, can you name... How many how many starting offensive linemen in Indianapolis can you name? Uh, I know Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo, uh, and what was that dude who was off at the Senior Bowl a few years ago? LaRaven Clark, I think. Now that Jack Mew. Oh, LaRaven Clark. I forgot he was on that team. Yeah. All right. So I'll let you off the hook. You you know this is a guy who watches film. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy who clearly watches the film. Um, <laughs> so Jacksonville is a three-point favorite on the road, and I somehow trust them. Blake Bortles, honestly, if you're looking at the passing stats, uh, Jacksonville for our NEA, uh, NEA value stuff, right? Jacksonville's 21st, which below average, but that's that. So, for example, that's better than the Packers this year. Yeah, after the Brownlee game, um, that's not the worst. I mean, they're ahead of like Blake Bortles right now in terms of how many yards he has left on the field is better than Cam Newton this year. He's better than Trevor Simeon. Um, I do believe in Jacoby Brissett. Uh, honestly, he's just a fun quarterback, and there's not a lot of fun quarterbacks in the NFL. And I would be super sad if he ends up sitting on a bench for two years behind Andrew Luck. Like that was that's like the saddest timeline, right? It's just like knowing that one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league is just you know decaying behind another one. Yeah, uh, I, I I think someone's gonna unload some picks to get him next season. So. Uh... Looking at you, we're serious. Or, or, or you, Mike Tomlin. <laughs> they got Josh Dobbs. I don't know, man. That's fair. You see Josh Dobbs this preseason? <laughs> Elite quarterback, Josh Dobbs. Uh, next game, the New Orleans Saints taking it on the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are a four-and-a-half favorite, four-and-a-half point favorite at home, and we are splitting this game. Underdog. Oh, underdog Four-and-a-half point underdog at home. Excuse Sir, me. you, wow, you believe, in Bra- you believe in Brownlee more than I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we are split on this game. Justice have the Packers covering the spread, and I am taking the Saints to cover the spread. So why are you on the Packers? Uh, I went on our good friend Keen Fahey's podcast on ESPN. It's called, uh, what's it called? Nickel Package. Nickel Package. It's called the Nickel Package. I listen to it every day so i should probably know the name of it um but uh so i ended up going on there and talking about brett hunley aaron Rodgers, all that stuff i watched all of brett hunley's passes um i charted him uh he's did you see that game at all because he quietly was doing well outside the numbers like he actually was doing very well outside of the numbers um he really didn't throw like the only balls that could have even been touched by defenders were the ones that actually got intercepted and they were like really weird plays like Harrison Smith had to make like the play of his lifetime to tip up a pass so he could intercept it uh Hunley's first pass was intercepted and it was like the same thing where he was like a half second short on a play that he got the exact look that they wanted they were an empty he he got a mo- he motioned the guy it was a very easy man read he threw it into the flat like he should have. It was just a half second too late. The guy tipped it up, and then there was a defender behind him, and he caught an interception. And then there was some – I can't remember. Oh, the last interception was weird too because he, he was in the process of throwing the ball when he got hit, and it was very clearly 
like it got it was like a fucking beach ball being shot up you know what i mean like there was some hang time on that thing that was not a normal pass so he had like three interceptions but they were very weird interceptions and i think i charted outside of the numbers his last 12 passes like 11 of them were like on target uh and like jordy nelson dropped like a highlight play um i believe i you can talk me into Brett Hundley. Like, uh, give me a couple of drinks in, and I'll tweet out like the Brett Hundley. What is it? The Brady Brady seven? Is it Brady seven or Brady ten? Uh, I don't know. It's something like that. So I'll, I'm Hundley four is definitely going to be something that I'm going to tweet out if I have any adult beverages and the Packers are winning on Sunday. Yeah, I'm just going to take the Saints because uh, Drew Brees versus Brett Hundley. That I think that's all I need to say. <laughs> uh, let's talk about something because we trashed the Saints for. Uh, several months, <laughs> several months, I would say um, their defense isn't horrible anymore. Like they have been steadily improving like throughout the year. And that's not something that you see all the time. Yeah, man. Marcus Lattimore is a legit game changer. I mean, he's he's been a top five corner so far. Uh, but I don't know. He's a hamstring, man. He's got a <laughs> hamstring issue. I don't, like that was the dumbest thing that draft order has ever done. Is ah oh, man, I don't know who, who like I think uh, Mike Renner said this where he was just tweeting at people all offseason where he was like, whose career has ended because of a, a hamstring issue? That has never happened in the history of football. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- th- there's no way to cut it any other way. Like he he's been a legit top five corner of the season. I mean. Th- the impact he's had on my defense has just completely changed their outlook. And I mean, they're, they're improving while Sheldon Rankins is, uh, is playing hurt and Nick Fairley's dead. So that defense is definitely on the come up and props to the Marcus Lattimore for kind of being the, the game changer there. Shouts to him. Shouts to Alex Okafor, who apparently is like having, like I've, I've watched some of these saints games. I watched the saints, uh, lions yesterday, unfortunately. And I saw Cam Jordan just beating the crap out of uh, backup Lions offensive lineman. Um, when I watch the Saints, I really don't think of Alex Okafor as a guy who's really making any sort of difference on that team. But when you, whenever we do those numbers, the the tackles plus stuff, where it's tackles at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield, either you know run game, pass game, doesn't matter. It's just explosive ability, basically, penetration and tackling. Um, Alex Okafor ranks super high. Like, he's like a top 20 defensive end or something like that in that stat this year. So he somehow quietly is having a really good season opposite of uh, Cameron Jordan. Yeah. Uh, also, okay, so the Raiders did just score a touchdown. After, like, three penalties in a row, uh, they finally got one in. Crabtree. The NFL's a horrible product. Boycott it. Awful. Awful. Uh, Ken, Ka- Cra- Mike Crabtree definitely just pushed off, but they didn't call on this one. So, it, oh, man. If you want to go back and watch this Raiders Chiefs game, that's one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. But uh, let's move on to. I, w- I, w- I just went in the group chat and saw, ha 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 ha, fuck Sully. Yep. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Dallas at San Francisco. San Francisco is a six and a half point home dog. I am taking San Francisco, and you're teasing it twelve and a half, and uh, pairing it with that Baltimore pick. So tell me why you're so uh, why why you're non-believer in the CJ Bathard bandwagon. It's not that I'm a non-believer. I just need something to pair that Baltimore pick with. So, uh, so this is the one you got least confident in. Let's I be honest. Let's keep it real. I guess so. Uh, but man, <laughs> look. I mean, we were talking about before we came on. Uh, the 49ers are at five games in a row of less than three points, or are losing it within three points. So uh, I don't know. I, I think that they're a solid team. That I think just it's has something to... like it's the they're the first team to do that in forever i think 
they're the first team to lose five games in a row by three points or fewer. Yeah, so when you just look at that, I think they're they're a well-coached team. They just kind of got unlucky, uh, you know, in all these games. So, I, I, uh, so, I, so I don't know if they win, but I definitely expect them to cover the spread. I, I do too. So in their last five games, all five oh games. Oh, my God. Oh, he made it. Never mind. What's going on? I thought he missed the extra point, but he made it. Oh, okay. Don't scare me like that. Um, so this is a six-and-a-half-point line. In the last five games that the, that the San Francisco 49ers have played, they've been a down. They've been down a combined seven points when the regulation ended. It, it, it's like the, the there is no there is no team that is closer to being like yeah this is a fraudulent record than the San Francisco 49ers right now and people are just betting on Dallas to bet on Dallas coming off of a bye. Um, with all the is Zeke playing? Like I still can't keep track. Is Zeke, Zeke is playing now, right? Yeah, he is. I think so. I don't know. It's it, like every, every day there's like a new – it's like, no, the, this court in Texas and then there's this one in New York and then they're going to sue the NFL. And I see you, Jerry Jones, because Jerry Jones is talking about like brand – like it, it would cost money to the brand if the NFL did that, right? I think he had some quote talking about that. Jerry Jones is very clearly not down with collective bargaining like merchandise and things of that nature. Um if you ever wanted it, if you ever wanted like him supporting the the uh, Raiders moving to Los An- or Las Vegas and the Rams moving to Los Angeles is about you know as clear as like he he very much has an agenda. He wants Dallas to be a big team that is making a lot of money that he can spend on the team or make for himself, and he doesn't want the Cincinnati Bengals and Jacksonville Jaguars getting a cut of that. Yep, 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 yep. Kyle Shanahan, coach of the year behind uh, Todd Bowles. Not McBay? We're out oh, on yeah, McBay? Yeah, I forgot about McBay. But I, I, I don't know. I, I still give it to Todd Bowles just because we all thought they were going to win like one game this year, and they've they've looked pretty competitive. Uh, the next game is the Bengals at the Steelers. Both of us are staying away. The Steelers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, so we'll move on to the Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, right now it's down to a pick em. You are picking the Chargers to win. I'm picking Denver to win. I just like the way that Denver's defensive line matches up with the uh, Broncos offense or with the steel. God damn it. With the Chargers offensive you'll, line. You'll get it. We're rusty, man. We're ru- we got sick earlier this week. Yeah. We haven't, we've recorded like one podcast in like the last 20 days. It's not, it's not good for us right now. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm picking the Broncos to win this game. You're picking the Chargers. Uh, I I don't know. I I think that Denver's defense they they just kind of like an off night on uh, Sunday against the Giants, and you know I, I that's that seems more like a fluke performance to me than something that's sustainable long term. Um, I don't know what Denver is, and I don't think that we can really make judgments on what Denver is. This early in the year when – I mean we've talked about uh, almost to a nauseating point about Denver's home road splits uh, at the beginning of the season in September basically, the first two we- or the first four weeks of the year. Um, I, you got to remember the Los Angeles Chargers – I almost said San Diego, god damn it. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are only two missed field goals away from a 4-2 and two record and one of those games was in Denver You know when we know that they have a massive home field advantage in September. Um, I just kind of believe in the Chargers, man. Honestly, like I, I don't think they're as bad. I don't think they're as bad as people talk about. But they, that defensive, that offensive line in terms of run blocking is like the worst team in the NFL, and it's like not close. Um, you're right. The thing is, they're like the they have like the best sack percentage or something in the NFL right now. 
Like their offensive line isn't really hurting them in the passing game. It's just in the running game. Um, if you like, do not take Melvin Gordon in any DFS stuff this week. Like that is not a value pick right now. No, he's he's gonna get bodied. Uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna be two point or it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be two point three yards per carry for yeah. Melvin Gordon. I mean, Trevor Simeon was he was awful on Sunday, but I don't know. I I, I kind of like them to get this done on the road. Uh, so let's move on to the Seahawks are taking on the New York Giants. The Seahawks are five and a half point favorite on the road. And I like Seattle to cover the spread. Uh, just because you know they were on a bye this past week, the Giants are... Uh, do we count Sunday night games as a short week on the road? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, will, I will not count. that. Those three hours or whatever don't count. Um, Junior Gallette, last, so last week... Uh, Junior Gallette followed me at approximately two o'clock in the morning, West Coast time, or east, east, it was East Coast time, two o'clock in the morning, and I like had hesitation about, like immediately felt sick about picking Washington over San Francisco last week. Um, these NFL players are staying up much later than Sunday Night Football. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that Seattle coming off a of bye, you know, they really got to get their season back on track not that it's fading or anything but with the way the nfc is kind of shaping up where it just they haven't been good right like they haven't i'm not confident in them at yeah all. and even when that that colts game that they ended up winning like 41 to 18 or something like that they you know it was still a really close game like halfway through the third quarter and that's a team that they should just absolutely blow off the field uh so you know i i think that with that week off there i think they're going to come back with a you know, a sense of urgency with the NFC being wide open outside of Philadelphia, you know, and Rodgers getting hurt. Uh, you can kind of, you know, it, it, I mean, every team really controls their own destiny at the top of the, at the cop, top of the conference. And this is kind of a chance for them to keep getting back on track. So I'm going to take Seattle. I also like that defensive line to just annihilate the Giants offensive line. They quietly haven't been that good this year, honestly. Like Fr- Frank Clark and Michael Bennett have done well, but um Cliff Averill not being there has made a difference, even though they're one of the few teams that could have afforded uh, a Cliff Averill type to go down. But uh, Sheldon Richardson just has not been good at all. Like he's he's made like two backfield tackles and he was top 10 in the NFL last year. So it's just not translating to Seattle for whatever reason. Um, honestly, this is just a points pick for me. I'm taking the Giants uh, five and a half. So if it were in Seattle, it would probably be 11 and a half. That's a lot of points, man. I don't trust Seattle to cover eleven and a half. So just reverse engineering that line, um, it just doesn't just doesn't pit, uh, pass the sniff test for me. Uh, one thing I did want to say: Brandon Marshall, you know, addition by subtraction. So this is Team Four, I think, that this happened for. Like, at what point? At what point are we just gonna call Brandon Marshall Brandon Marshall, man? Yeah, I mean, he he's washed. It's over. Uh, I I don't know why people made a big deal about that move in the first place because he was going to be because he wasn't good last year right he wasn't that good last year and he was going to be number three on the pecking order regardless because odell and sterling shepherd are there but i i think it's kind of over for b marsh and uh but like what do we do with the like i know that last week they're supposedly supposed to be at a huge disadvantage in terms of uh like their receivers going up against denver secondary but do oh, we yeah. expect that to go two weeks in a row where they're performing against a good secondary when they're way way man down um no but i don't think that you need to be you don't you don't need to be great to beat seattle right now i'm firmly on that that i don't believe seattle i think the los angeles rams are going to win the nfc 
uh, uh, NFC West. Um, Seattle just doesn't do anything well. Like even their defense, when you look at their stats and stuff, like they're just not doing that well this year, even though they're kind of playing in low scoring games. So right now, okay, I lied. Uh, their, their pass defense is, is doing solid, but their run defense is doing good. So um, this should be a horrible run defense matchup between a team that can't run and a team that can't stop the run. Yep. Uh, all right. So we are splitting heads on that one. Uh, let's talk about the Falcons going to the New England Patriots Sunday night Super Bowl rematch. The Patriots are three and a half point favorite at home, and we are both taking the Falcons to cover the spread on the road. I, you know, I, I think I think they've had this game circled on the calendar since the schedule came out in April. And, you know, even Devontae Campbell said at halftime of the Dolphins game, they started looking ahead. I'm sure they started planning for this game during their bye week. Uh, it just, you know, it, it kind of feels like this is a game that Atlanta's been waiting for all season to kind of get revenge for whatever that's worth for blowing. 23 lead with 17 minutes left in the Super Bowl, but that's neither here nor there at this point. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's been horrible so far, but... With oh, how- just the fucking worst, just man. The worst. Like, there was a... Two 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 plays that really stood out to me in that game. Um, there was one where he had Julio Jones try to block 275-pound William Hayes, a defensive end, on a toss play, and it ended up going about as poorly as it could be. Uh, William Hayes looked like he got shot out of a cannon. Julio Jones very much bought a ticket on the play, and I, I think that was on the last drive. I wanted to say that was on the last drive. Yeah, it was, in, it was on one, um, one of their final drives. It was that. Then there was the play where they just did not block Cameron Wake for whatever reason. It was an empty look. Um, there was one person to block from like the the left guard over. Cameron Cameron Wake was a right guard, and they had four bodies that were basically blocking one person. Cameron Wake got to Matt Ryan, ended up sacking him. I want to say that was later in the game too. And then uh, there was the Taylor Gabriel getting picked up by Kiko Lonzo, and uh, just literally getting picked up and walked back for 20 yards. Then Kiko Lonzo put him down and patted him on the head. And that was in, like, the two-minute drill when, like, Atlanta needed to score a touchdown. Um, to say that their heads weren't necessarily in that game is probably right. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, like, I'm, awesome. he's ruining football for me. Yeah, he's ruining football for both of us. Um, but I do think that, like, Atlanta, if there is any sort of emotion for that type of stuff, one, okay, let, there's a couple things we could break down. One, if there is any sort of type of emotional stuff, I can buy into it, into Atlanta winning, right? Two, uh, three and a half point line. Are the Patriots better than that, the Atlanta Falcons on the neutral field? Because I'm not sure I would say that. No. And then the last thing is three. Um, if Atlanta, Atlanta hasn't been bad on offense, but they haven't been great on offense, right? They haven't been what they were last year. Uh, the Patriots, on the other hand, are absolutely horrible on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the passing game. Atlanta should light them up. Like even if they if they do any sort, of, I, I think uh, the Patriots are out two cornerbacks too. Um, so like if like literally just feed Julio Jones, like a five-year-old can do this. Just feed feed Julio Jones, call in plays where he gets the ball, and you should be fine. Huh, yeah, that that sounds pretty simple and smart, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny because we were ta- we were talking about something where it was like I had some stat, and it was like Tevin Coleman didn't qualify because he's not getting enough touches or something like that, and he was just like, "Fuck Steve Sarkeesian so much." It's crazy because I, I was just looking at some of the uh, like DVOA stats for how. Uh, team, how like how the Patriots defend number one receivers and how they defend uh, running backs out of the backfield or you know just running backs in the passing game in general. So they're thirty first against number one receivers and they're twenty eighth against uh, running backs in the passing game. 
So you would think that, okay, I mean, this seems like a pretty smart, it'd be pretty smart to, you know, target Julio and target Freeman and Coleman. But the Dolphins, if they were 30th in uh, number one receivers and 21st against running backs out of the backfield, and Sark did nothing with that. So who knows what's going on? Uh, I charted Matt Ryan's game against the Dolphins. He threw 34 passing attempts that qualified for uh, uh, for charting five. <laughs> Uh, yes, so my Bring internet, in the range. Yeah, my internet just went out. We're back now. But uh, pick up where I left okay. off. So I already covered 24 of 34. Uh, Matt Ryan's attempt went uh, 10 yards or less through the air. He had seven attempts uh, go 16 plus or 16 yards or more in the air. And five of those came in the fourth quarter. So and, and that's like obviously when they need to score a touchdown or kick a field goal to get back in the game. So. This is an exceedingly conservative passing attack right now. Hopefully, this is a week to kind of open it up because there's just really no reason to not open it up. But uh, I think with with the talent advantage that the Falcons have on offense compared to the Patriots on defense, you know, Stephon Gilmore and Eric Rowe look like they're about to miss this game. I just don't think there's any reason why Atlanta shouldn't light this scoreboard up and, and win that game. Feed Julio, please just feed Julio. Like it's, it's very, it's very easy. It's very simple. It's it's so it's simple. It's so easy, and it's like, and they still can't do it. Like Dan Quinn, he's pissed honestly about it. Uh, about Julio not getting enough targets. Where was the last place that Steve Sarkeesian left, and they did worse when he left? Because I I would say that University of Washington and USC both got better, right? Yep. And I mean, even this year, like he he had a small role. With Alabama, uh, but I mean they're they're better on offense this year than they were last year. I agree. He was just an analyst, though. I mean, he was yeah. he was charting PFS stats, but that's, <laughs> neither here, that's neither here nor there. Um, so last game, uh, Washington at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a five point favorite, which is super high considering the fact that all like DVOA loves them. Uh, our good friend Ben Ben Albright said that they're going to be playing in the uh, Super Bowl. It's either going to be them or the Philadelphia Eagles out of the NFC. Um, that seems super high. I would say, you know, based off of last week, I had my doubts last week. Um, Washington was ahead, was was ahead enough to cover that game at points in it. Um, it was just the end of it. It kind of looked closer than it actually was. Uh, San Francisco was always kind of playing from behind, you know, ch- chasing uh, you know, the dog chasing the uh, car. Yeah. Um, but I that's that's a high line, five points. Like, like three three and a half probably would have been the tipping point for me for if I would have been in on Philadelphia. I think they probably still win the game, but um, I think field goal field goal is fine. Field goal is closer to to it. I think it's closer to a field goal than a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, so we're both gonna take Washington plus five, and that's gonna wrap up uh, our week. Seven gambling picks, which is man, it's crazy that we're only on week seven. But uh, yeah. so we have thanks to uh, this all being done. It's the same thing with college. College football is almost over. I think we're more than halfway done with college football. So everyone's draft takes has to be cemented in since everyone is watching every player in the NFL or, or in college football already. So you yep. can't change off your stance. So well, we started lock it, off lock the, them in. Yep, we started off the week zero and one with the Kansas City Chiefs getting hosed on the last play of the game against the Raiders, but such is life. Uh, hopefully we better. I figured out. I figured out a way how we could simplify who we're on. All right, this is how we're gonna do it: our Jets, Titans, Rams, Bears, Jaguars, 49ers, 
Falcons, Redskins. My Vikings, Packers, Chargers, Giants, your Ravens, Saints, Broncos, Seahawks. There we go. All right, there we go. Uh, so that's going to conclude episode 55 of Seven Edge. We'll be back next week with uh, Chris B. Brown, formerly of Grantland, and he's done a couple of uh, pieces on the ringer. I'm sure you guys know him as at SmartFootball on Twitter. Uh, so it's going to be dope to talk to him, and we'll have some more takes after the weekend is over. So adios. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews.